part of the DNA of St. A's is that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome here. Not sure what you believe? Come on in. You questioning? You doubting? Skeptical? Bring it in. Let's explore the mystery of God together. Are you seeking, maybe hurting, or hoping? Take a seat. Come hang out with God. And come hang out with a community of fellow seekers, fellow questioners. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we proclaim here that we want to walk together. We want to walk down this simultaneously totally clear and totally murky way of love, the way of Christ. And sometimes some of us sense the loving presence of God with us. And perhaps we have moments of a real clarity of connection and a closeness with God. And sometimes we feel solid ground beneath our feet or even some confidence that we know where God is leading. But other times it can feel barren. Maybe we're even stopped in our tracks or the way ahead is foggy, unclear. Our footsteps are tentative. And sometimes for some of us, We're frankly on autopilot. Whether or not that pilot is God, we keep going. So everybody's path is different. And yet we all come together with scripture as our guidebook. And it's a guidebook that's also abundantly clear and abundantly murky. And with all our differences and experiences, we come together into the same worship tradition with the same devotional rhythm every year. Advent, where we are right now, preparing for Jesus' birth. Then Christmas and Easter and Pentecost. Kind of like a holy wash, rinse, repeat. (laughs) Let's walk, explore, walk again. Advent, Christmas, Easter, and so on. And every year, these cycles aim to refresh, renew, reinvigorate how we see, how we know, how we engage with God's call, with God's promise, and with God's loving and transformative power right among us. So we're in Advent now, the second week, and one thing I'm already loving about this year is that our scripture readings are primarily from the Gospel of Luke, And in the Gospel of Luke, we get the most detailed and tangible narrative of Jesus' birth with big windows and glimpses into the spiritual journey of some of our spiritual ancestors. Two of them get angels who appear to them. Angels, probably the most clear signpost of God leading the way. God's messenger The angel Gabriel, bam, appears before Mary. And what's her response? That's courage beyond courage. I don't think I'd even have. Bear a child? The son of God? Out of wedlock? And she says, okay. 
here I am, God. I'm your servant. That is a giant turn in her spiritual path. And then there's Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, who the angel Gabriel also visits. Now, he's in the prequel story to Jesus' birth. It's the story, it's the origin story of John the Baptist. And it's worth checking out chapter one of Luke when you get home. Zechariah is an elderly priest. And he's living, says scripture, righteously and blamelessly before the Lord with his wife Elizabeth. But to their cultural shame, in all those years, they had no kids. So we get this window into this moment in his long journey of faith, a journey that brought him to the priesthood and service. We get this glimpse of him in the sanctuary all alone, devoutly offering incense to God. Offering the incense and bam, angel Gabriel appears. Zechariah is terrified. Angel says, don't, don't be afraid. I've got news. God has heard your prayer for a child, and God's going to answer that prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, she's going to have a son, and you're going to name him John. And you're going to be elated. You're going to be rejoicing because he is going to be great. Even in the womb, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He is going to turn people's hearts towards God just like the prophets you've been studying and reading in scripture, prophets I imagine Zechariah was preaching about. He's going to turn people's hearts towards God for the coming of the Messiah. Now you imagine this elderly priest who knows his scripture, has lived faithfully. Does he say what Mary says? Yes, wow, thanks. No, he's skeptical and he pushes back like, how do I know this is going to happen? I'm old. My wife is getting on in years. <laughs> Though another translation says they were both very old. <laughs> King James has it that Elizabeth, the wife, is well stricken in years. <laughs> And the angel says to Zechariah in modern language, dude, I'm Gabriel. I am God's messenger. God sent me with this good news. And I'm annoyed. You're not even believing me? So guess what? I'm going to make you mute. I'm going to make it so that you cannot speak. Priestly you cannot speak until all this comes true. And sure enough, Elizabeth gets pregnant. I try to imagine what the response was of her with her priestly husband coming home, unable to speak and whipping out a tablet and saying, uh, honey, you're going to get pregnant even though you're post-menopause. <laughs> Our prayers are answered. But we know she faithfully carries the child. And Zechariah, mute Zechariah, Zechariah who can't speak, watches her pregnancy, likely watches her through morning sickness, through all the aches and pains and the bodily changes. Nine months 
of watching his elderly wife prepare for the birth. And six months into this pregnancy, Mary, their relative, comes to visit because she's three months in and she comes to share the news that I'm pregnant. I'm supposed to be bearing God's child. Zechariah sees Mary's faithfulness and sees Elizabeth's engagement with Mary where scripture says little John the Baptist already full of the Holy Spirit leapt with joy when Mary arrived. Zechariah witnessed Mary's great song of praise, the Magnificat, and he can't say a word. The next picture we get of where Zechariah is on his journey is after the baby's born. He's eight days old, and Zechariah and Elizabeth are taking him in to be circumcised. And circumcision is the time that babies would be named. And traditionally, the name that would be given to this child, this first son, would be Zechariah's name. So when Zechariah is asked to write down the name, because everyone knows by now all he can do is write, what will your child be named? Zechariah writes, John. And in writing John, it is clear that he now gets it. All the skepticism, boom, out of the picture. He totally gets it, and wow, his mouth is freed, and he sings with joy. He sings the canticle that Ben sang up here that we repeated the refrain, prepare the way of the Lord. Zechariah's heart now is so beyond doubt. He has seen and he is living God's hand in his here and now life. And he blesses God. It's called the song of Zechariah, the Benedictus, the great blessing. And a blessing is when we give forth for something with praise of what is and is to come. So words spill out of Je Zechariah's mouth, pointing at the direction that he knew intellectually as a priest, but that he now knows in his heart. God's hand is alive and active in history. Zechariah is now bearing witness before all the community who had seen him through his nine months of not being able to speak. His first words are words of blessing, of God's saving power to free the people, free us from bonds. He leans in in a whole new way to his own knowledge of scripture, his own knowledge of what the prophets spoke. And he believes now the Savior is coming. Freedom and deliverance is at hand. So Zechariah doesn't just hope that God is going to bring about salvation. He knows that it's coming. It is really coming. That God is showing up to interrupt the misery of life the deprivation in life. God is showing up with an intention to restore and sustain all people. So in this canticle, in this song of Zechariah, he sings the pr promise and blessings, blesses God for his, God's presence alive in their little child. 
that John will be a prophet. John will prepare the way for the Savior, who we know as Jesus. And John will share the gift, the knowledge, the gift of the knowledge of salvation with all people. Salvation that comes from repentance, with turning hearts to God and welcoming, making space for the Savior in our lives. That is a radical turn on a spiritual journey. Taking that incredible skepticism that Zechariah had, regardless of his formation, and turning it, shaping it, forming it in such a profound way. Proclaiming God is coming, God is with us, God is alive in this world. So this morning we are going to be baptizing a blessed child of God, little Charlotte. She is starting her spiritual journey. And you, parents, grandparents, godparents, are all going to be standing up and, and giving yourselves over to support Charlotte, to help her grow in the knowledge and love of God. And all of us in this congregation, we're going to be standing and saying, yeah, we will too. We will support her. Whether she has doubts or she is sure-footed, whether the family has doubts or is sure-footed. We will all be here. We will help her grow. And in helping her grow, we also will help ourselves grow. Because just as Zechariah learned on his journey, when God worked with him just where he was, like God works with us just where we are, just like Zechariah we can know that God remains faithful to all God's promises. That God's way is the way of salvation, of freeing us and freeing the world from bonds of injustice. Of bringing, in Isaiah's words, the mountains low, the valleys up, making smooth the road for us to walk the road of peace. Because God's path is peace. Zechariah closes his canticle with the most beautiful words about the Savior coming to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our way, guide our feet into the way of peace. This is for all of us. It's a way for little Charlotte, the way for each and every one of us, no matter where we are on our spiritual journey. So may we look to Zechariah this morning and find in him a signpost for how our hearts can turn, how we can grow closer to God, how we can see God's hand in the world, and how we too can prepare for the coming of Christ. Amen.